on today's Stuck In. What else did you think we were going to talk about today? Europe was drunk midweek, and we spend the entire pod trying to sift through the madness. We bumped our interview with a veritable Peruvian legend to next week, so you can get a full dose of me and Jared rapping about all things Champions League, with a half-assed Europa League preview, and a dash of the new and highly, highly anticipated Europa Conference League. We tried desperately to get Dr. Rodero on to sound off about the hilarity of PSG, but, well, he's gainfully employed with a full-time professorship, after all. Our apologies. Anyway, we've got more ground to cover than Oleg Gunnar Solskjaer trying to cover his ass after that universally expected game mismanagement. So, without further ado, let's get stuck in. Stuck in a Farmers League soccer podcast. Today is Thursday, September 14th, 2021. And clearly yesterday was opposite day, wacky Wednesday, or what the fuck ever, because defending in Champions League was very optional. And we saw some drunk ass games. And that was just yesterday. Throw in Tuesday's games in the midweek. Six red cards, three games with five total goals or more, and one American mega boner that was so hard, so erect, and so veiny that it could fuck the whole world for 72 hours. Who gets that reference? Jared, good thing CBS has the Galazzo show, the red zone for soccer, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a must, right? For uh, Especially if you do not have a specific dog in the fight. And I don't know if the uh, the listeners remember, but neither one of us, uh, neither one of our teams is in European competition this year. We saw our Premier League uh, outfits, so there is that. Um, but yeah, it's nice. And, and of course, with UEFA kind of giving us the two games early and then the six games late, I got, you know, you can kind of sit down, watch a game in full and then jump around to the six games and, and kind of get to see a little bit of everything. So uh, that's that's how I spent my day. Yeah, same. Uh, and, and clearly we have a, a metric shit ton to talk about. Um, so we're actually going to hold off on on the interview um, and, and dives. I mean, the topics are the European uh, midweek game. So, um, so yeah, we're going to skip the interview. I got another great one in the hopper for the traveling supporters. So keep an eye out uh, for that one on Monday. Uh, and yeah, let's just go the segments uh, slash topics slash basically just Europe uh, just blowing up and going crazy. Uh, starting with European nonsense featuring Jared Reback. Uh, let's take it group by group. Um, obviously, Group A will start off with uh, City against Leipzig. And, and look, Jared, like we said, Jesse Marsh. This poor guy, man, I pour one out for him. He continues to be the actual unluckiest manager on the planet, right? First, he draws City and PSG in the same group. Um, and then actually yesterday, they, they kind of hung with City for most of the game. 
except for like a couple of crucial moments where it's, it's like his players were, were in FIFA and, and the controller got disconnected, you know, like, like on the first goal, uh, the defenders legit just stood and watched as they got posterized uh, by Ake on the corner. Like he just rose up over them, like put his nuts on their shoulders uh, and just hammered home uh, a man's goal. The second goal, laughable own goal. I mean, it was just, which could, you know, be a sneak preview own goal of the day. And then it just, again, but in between those moments, like they actually, they looked okay and they hung and they stayed in the game uh, the whole time, but just, just stupid, stupid mistakes like that. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing that they have to take away from this game, I would say there's actually probably two things. And the first thing is, you know, Nkunku gets a hat trick for them, which is great. Fair play, some well-worked goals, but all three goals that they scored, they conceded within five minutes back the other way. And, right. and I don't know how much of that is, is city just being able to kind of do whatever they wanted, whenever they want. I don't know if it's just a fundamental flaw in the way Leipzig is kind of set up. But, you know, you already referenced the own goal. You already referenced the first goal. Then, you know, they get back in the game at 2-1. Then they get a handball right before halftime for a penalty, which kind of, again, you know, just, just gives them a whole mountain to climb. And the, the question I have is, again, I think Jesse Marsh is going to be successful at Leipzig. I think he's going to do really well. But I think he needs to be a little bit less stubborn. And, and you know, he said, look, look, just because we're going into Man City doesn't mean that we're not going to play our game and attack. And maybe they need to, to, to lay off that a little bit, right? Because the, you, or, or at least in the five minutes after the goal. And, something. And, that's something, and, and that's something that I hate about, like, you know, outsiders or critics when they talk about coaches. And it's like, you know, sign number one that a coach is an amateur. It's when after they score a goal, they say, next five, lads, next five. It's like, no, there's a reason why the next five minutes after scoring a goal or conceding a goal, by the way, is so fucking important. And I hate people who are like, oh, that's so amateur. That's so cliche. No, it's true. You need to be tuned in, right? And actually even lift your level of focus in those five minutes after a goal. Yeah, and, it's, and this is the, I mean, this would be example A of that. And, and they, you know, they get to host Bruges in the second game, but then they go to PSG. And, you know, despite what we'll talk about with PSG in a couple minutes, if they try and play the same way that they did against Manchester City against PSG, why wouldn't they concede four goals, five goals? And I think there needs to be a little bit of pragmatism here. And they just, they played balls to the wall. And and from a neutral perspective, it's it makes for fucking great soccer, right? That yesterday's game, you know, right. even though I was watching Golazo, every two minutes was Man City and Leipzig because something was happening. And it's great. It's fantastic. It's, it's fun to watch. But if you are Leipzig and you want to try and get out of this hellscape of a group, uh, you know, maybe you're not passing city at this point, but PSG gets that draw, right? So they're yeah. a little bit there for the taking, right? If you can, if you can somehow steal results against them, but you can't do it playing like this. They have to be a little bit more pragmatic, a little bit more defensively minded, especially as you said, right after they score a goal, uh, and, and they need to just kind of settle down a little bit, or else they're going to end up getting out of this group with six points. Uh, or, you know, finishing third or whatever with, you yeah. know, 15 goals scored and like 30 against. And it's just, it's going to be great, but it's not going to be, you know, uh, it's it's not viable in this particular group. Yeah, yeah. And, and to your point, it, like on the Galazzo, it was like, you know, NFL red zone, like where it's, it's pretty much always on the Chiefs game, like at all times, you know, instead of fucking you know, the Texans versus the Jaguars or whatever, like you see it, you know, they tune in like towards the end of the game and it's like, it's seven to three or whatever. But yeah, this game was like so entertaining. It was so back and forth. Holy shit. Um, yeah. A couple of things real quick. Uh, Jared, I, I just noticed actually 
uh, in this game, uh, city's names on the back. Like I hadn't, uh, is that their home kit? Like their, their names on the back look like a digital clock from the nineties. Was that? Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't notice what that. The so, fuck is that. So all English teams do have separate names and numbers like font wise on their jerseys for European competitions. Uh, it's been going that way for, for, for a while, but yeah, this is the, I mean, this is one of the first times I remember something being so kind of, um, aggressive shall we say but I, I literally had the same thought it was like the the night it was like the 1990s calculator that we would get in like fourth grade like math class that only did like three functions I yeah like, dude yeah. i had ptsd from like waking up to my alarm to go to like middle school or whatever yes uh but yeah so yeah all, all european teams do do that for a uh, european competition but as i said usually uh most teams have the, a, a very plain kind of font going on but city decided to go a little bit aggressive and yes i did uh, pick up on that all right. Um, and last super knowledgeable and insightful point on the city versus Leipzig game here. Uh, we are not doing cunty haircut of the week here. Uh, but if we had the segment, though, I think Ake might get a shout. Although, to be fair, I, I don't know if it's super cunty. It just legit looks way too much like a Commodore dog. Like, I don't know when he was originally telling his barber, like what haircut he wanted. He just took like a jumbo size middle school industrial mop and just like put it on top of his head or something. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, moving on. Uh, unless, Jared, you, you have so, something to add to that. super. Well, I guess comment. I guess if we're going to do if, if we're throwing in cutty haircut of the week and just because it tangentially relates to Man City, I will throw DC United's own Paul Areola, who decided to pull out the Phil Foden. Uh, and go with the oh no league. i didn't even see that that's <laughs> so, terrible so we will uh, kind of circle back into man city and i guess the last last thing i'll say is uh a little tip of the cap to angelino the former man city man Ooh, yeah, yeah sent off in this game against his former team so just kind of secret espionage agent play from angelino today yeah yeah <laughs> or yeah or just a chip on way too hard into a challenge or whatever uh but yeah i i pray for jesse marsh and and i hope they can turn it around yeah get a little little pragmatic there coach marsh um and then obviously the second game in the group i mean group a holy shit uh psg versus club bruges right Messi, neymar mbappe i mean this is going to be what you know six five six at least yeah i mean it, it looked that way very early on even right i mean it was um they started off hot, obviously got a goal early, peppering the goal, and then just could, you know, it was one of those classic could never put it away kind of situations. And because they did not put it away, they let uh, Bruges back in the game. Bruges gets an equalizer, and it just kind of, uh, and then I think the pressure kind of set in a little bit, right? I think the, even though it was just the first group stage game and really had this sense of road draw is really not any, a bit of a problem, even though it's against the, the weakest team in the group. But I think they just kind of pressed a little bit. Then Bappe goes down injured. And, you know, again, they, they, control the game uh if you look at the statistics of the game it certainly looks like psg should have won the game but uh you know credit to bruges right they they kind of held off held them off and, and did what they had to do yeah ends up being one one uh and and i'm not sure if you've ever been to bruges jared but i've been told it's beautiful uh just <laughs> like this result for the belgians um yeah i mean i, I don't know where, where where does psg go from here i'm not i'm not saying you know press the uh the, sound the alarm uh, the panic button or anything like that. Uh, but, but this was, this was really uninspiring, man. And, and with Mbappe going down, obviously maybe out a couple of weeks or whatever at most. And again, the champions league campaign is not over, but dude, this just wasn't great, man. And, and, and people, you know, again, everyone focused on that M&M front line, but no one talked about their midfield, their inability to connect the back line to that front line. Uh, and, and yeah, their defense is like, okay, I guess. I don't know. They just don't seem like they're odds on favorites. They just don't seem it to me. 
Yeah, I mean, and and you know the defense obviously is is name brand, but right now still is a a situation where you know obviously getting everyone to kind of play together, uh, and and their center backs are are quite on the uh, older side, I guess we would to be charitable, right? Um, you know, at least their first choice guys. Um, well, how old is Kimpembe? Well, Kimpembe is young, but Marquinhos isn't young, and of course when yeah. when uh, when Ramos starts playing, whatever, it'll be even worse. But I think the yeah. biggest problem you talk about getting everyone together is that. Pochettino, uh, perhaps um, not intelligently, decided to let loose and or say in the press conference that Messi, Mbappe, and Neymar, not only obviously was this their first time on the field together, they actually haven't even been in a practice, a training session on the same like oh, side really? of the field. Yeah. So not yeah. even in practice in an 11 v 11 or in any meaningful um, in any meaningful sense, they have not played together at all. And so when you... Yeah. When you put all those pieces together, dude, it's, I mean, it's as, a take fan, time. as a fan, it's an ignorance. And as a coach, it's an arrogance to think that you can just put all those players. I don't care how good they are. I mean, these are the actual like a one top tier players, but even if you put them together without any practice, without any cohesion, without any chemistry, it's, it's an ignorance or, or an arrogance to think that it's just going to come together, that it's just going to work magically. Yeah, and, and I think that obviously they have a couple of weeks before they host Man City, get a couple of league games under the belt. But it's to your point. Again, we, we we already talked about Mbappe kind of going off injured. I'm sure he'll be out a couple of weeks. I'll take it was an ankle, obviously. And yeah. so they're not going to play again. And even if Mbappe is ready in two weeks, so that would be the second time they play together all in one shot. And so I, I think at a certain point, they just need to be able to get a couple of league games under their belt, play, you know, Stade de Reims or whatever, and, and you know, <laughs> right. win 6 nothing and and, and get a little confidence and, and whatever. And they're still obviously the favorites to go through. But uh, it's I, I think it's looking a little bit tighter. Yeah. And, and you're really going to, to your point about them being the favorites, I think they really obviously have to get these guys all in sync, obviously by January. And, and I think they can do that. And there's no reason to suspect that this doesn't mean they can make a deep run. But they're going to want to sort this out before they end up kind of in third place with three games to go and, and needing a result in Germany or something like that. Right, right. And if there's anything that inspires confidence in a team, it's a thrashing of a mid-table league, Stade Um Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see, man. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm skeptical. I'm still very skeptical. All right. Uh, that's that's Group A. Yeah, stay tuned on that one for sure. Um, group B, uh, Liverpool and AC Milan clearly running it back from Istanbul 05. Uh, it, was, uh, it was an interesting one. Obviously not the 3-0 comeback per se, but... Um... Milan made it tough, right? And, you know, Liverpool got the early goal. Salah misses a penalty, but for about 40 minutes, you're just thinking, all right, Liverpool's eventually going to just just win this 3 nothing, right? And Milan wasn't threatening. They weren't attacking. They, I don't think they even had a shot on target through 40 minutes. And then for five minutes, Liverpool just turn off right before the half. Milan get their two goals. And, and it looks like Liverpool's uh, in for it. But again, in the second half, they controlled. And Salah scores in the first five minutes. Uh, so it kind of just settles them down a little bit. Henderson, a thunderbolt to end up winning the game. But Milan never really threatened much in the second half. So I think you can chalk it up to Liverpool just having a really bad five minutes. And other than that, getting a home win that we would have expected them to get. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And again, I'm tuning in and out of, of this game and other games with Galazzo and all that. Uh, and, and I mean, looking at the stats or, or like, you know, when I tune back in, the, the commentators are saying, you know, uh, oh, you know, Liverpool dominating this first half. This is, by, by the way, this is like the 38th, 39th, 40th minute. They're, like, they're dominating the game that uh, AC Milan have only had five touches even, you know, in, in Liverpool's box or their half or whatever it is. And, and, and then just uh, like the commentators jinx, obviously, uh, next couple of minutes. 
it's dude, Rebic just slots. Uh, like, like again, <laughs> Liverpool just completely, completely switched off. Uh, but yeah, good for that. I mean, were you expecting Jared a, a Hendo winner like that? <laughs> I wasn't. Uh, no, not necessarily the guy <laughs> in the field. You would expect to hit one like that, but yeah. and obviously, you know, it, it didn't take long for for the social media world to to throw some, you know some Stevie G comparisons in there, but that's exactly oh, the type of shot, right? right? Not, 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 well, I, I'm not saying anything. I'm yeah. just saying that, you know, but, but to be fair, like that is the kind of goal that Steven Gerrard would score for Liverpool, right? He'd be hanging at the top of the box. Something would come out and, and he'd absolutely pounce. And it was a great hit. Uh, and, you know, a solid result, if not spectacular for Liverpool. And, yeah. you know, again, with the other results, it puts them in, in pretty prime position. So they, they'll be happy with what happened here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. The, the goal itself, I'll give you Stevie G on that one. But the player? No, so no, 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 not even a little bit. <laughs> okay, good, good. Yeah, that's – there you have it. Okay. Um, and then uh, – and by the way, for all the – any any youngins uh, that are amongst the traveling supporters, go ahead and ha- uh, have a look at some of those highlights from that Istanbul final, uh, which is now what? Jesus, more than 15 years ago, Jared. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. Whew. Uh, Atletico Madrid and Porto. Uh, I'll be honest, Jared, one of the few that I didn't really get to tune into. Uh, apparently Atletico can't score um, and also got bailed out uh, by a crucial VAR call. Uh, plus Porto with a very professional red at the end. That was a that was an all time great red card. If we're talking about just moments and, you know, and, uh, and you know, not to not to go too far afoot. But I guess because this player is actually in this game, you know, I'm, I'm of the uh, the mindset. Uh, that the Luis Suarez handball in the World Cup 2010 is uh, is a piece of brilliance. It is the rule. I agree. Got, right? People right, hate it, the, but I love it. You know what? Red cards are what they are. And to me, if, especially if it's not a violent red card, we're not talking about the, you know, the studs through the chest kind of exactly. deal. But, but a professional red card at times can be a very smart thing. And this was that, uh, as you said, Madrid got let off here. Uh, this was a boring game. Again, we talked you, to your point about the, the Jags, Texans, or whatever. This was the game that Golazo barely saw, right? It was the only yeah. 0-0. I think there were only three shots on target in the entire match. Uh, it was oh. a typical, typical mm. Atletico Madrid performance, right? We're just going to try and win one nothing. It didn't yeah. work. Uh, to your point, uh, as you said, Porto in about the 89th minute has a winner. And it was well, can you rip- set it up here, Jared, real quick? Yeah. So, right, so nil-nil most of the game. And then what was that VAR call? Like, it was uh, – Porto did score – but right. then they reviewed it, and it looked like it hit the hand of the attacker. Yeah, and it was it was uh, it was a it was about to be a wet dream for when playing it out of the back goes wrong. Uh, you know, Atletico <laughs> just turns it over, and and the Porto player is just is trying to score, and the defender's trying to stop it, and he pokes the ball, and it's pro- when he pokes the ball, it is probably going to go in the net. So he is going to score a goal, but in the in the uh, follow through both the defender and the attacking player end up on, you know, going to ground through the challenge and the ball hits his hand as it's going towards the net and it propels it into the goal. And so it is rightly, you know, rightly chalked off for, for a handball kind of putting the ball in the net, but the ball accidentally within his, his silhouette or whatever it is. And right. You cannot score that way. Even if it's accidental, like on anywhere else on the field, right. The referee probably would let play on, right. But because it, the ball directly went, went off of his hand and into the goal, even though it was accidental, no goal, right? So they get bailed out on that. Uh, and then, right, so 89th minute or so, Jared? Yeah, this is literally in the last minute of the game. Uh, as I said, that ball was probably going in the net. So it's, it's just – it's insanely unlucky for Porto right. to not have won this game one nothing, And then coming back the other way in the last second, um, I believe it was Griezmann pretty much gets through, uh, beats Mbemba, is about to go in on goal. And Bamba just hauls him down, takes the red card. <laughs> uh, the, the resulting free kick goes over, and that ends the game. 
Um, but yeah, it was, you know, it was a game that for 88 minutes was completely uninspiring and, and nothing to write home about with a very exciting three minutes at the end that, that did not result in any goals. Right. All right. Yeah. I love shit like that. I mean, Chiellini got killed for the, the final uh, when he dragged Saka down and obviously, you know, only got a yellow for that. It was higher up on the field. There were players back, et cetera, et cetera. But like, dude, I mean, yeah, you're, okay. you're a 39 year old man. You're not going to chase this guy down and he has a good chance of scoring. Just and again, and again, if you're not injuring him, if you're just kind of doing the, yeah. kind of the bear hug or something like that, you know what? It's a tactical. We call it a tactical foul for a reason. Uh, everyone like slobs over, uh, you know, Pep Guardiola's boys and everything else. They tactical foul more than anybody on the planet. That's again, right. It's fine. No problem. Again, just don't injure anybody. Don't try and injure anyone and keep your studs down and, and you know, take your take your punishment and, and secure the road point. Yeah, there you have it. All right. That's group B. Uh, we're moving on to group C now. Uh, first game, Dortmund. Versus Besiktas, uh, Erling Holland, man, uh, I would say in the words of an old sports center anchor, you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him, uh, except in this case, no. containing him <laughs> means literally like hurling your body into him or his path and just hoping you take him out and that you only get a yellow. Yeah, no. And that was I mean, Besiktas had no answers. They tried. Uh, to, to play normal defense. They tried to defend him within the rules of the game. Couldn't do it. Then the, every time they got beat, they just started dragging him down. And, it, and you can't blame him, right? Like, it's it, what else can you do? And yeah. it doesn't matter. He still gets his goal anyway. He was a threat all night. Should have probably had one or two more, if you even in the second half with some of the chances he had. And, uh, you know, I think this was a, a quintessential Dortmund performance. Mm. Um, they get a couple goals. They're looking comfortable for a while. But the defense, they still can't keep it together for 90 minutes and in this case it literally they kept it together for 90 plus four uh so you know they were it wasn't like they were really a threat to ever not win the game but even then in the 94th minute they're still giving up that goal at the end they still can't keep a shutout uh they still can't keep you know the defense just together for 90 minutes and and it will be their downfall in this tournament they're as good as any team in the world going forward there's no doubt of that but even in this match even on the road even in turkey even against you know uh, a decent attacking side from Besiktas too many great saves are needed too many big uh, big plays or you know or, or rescue Batshuayi should have probably had a couple goals in this game and by the way if you didn't know Batshuayi is currently at Besiktas in Turkey the more, <laughs> right, yeah. the more you know right yeah. Uh, but yeah it, it's too they're giving away too many chances and yes they're always going to be a threat to score three or four goals but like they just think they can't figure it out defensively and this is not a new problem yeah, uh, and by the way, to piggyback on that, not just Batshuayi, uh, but for the CONCACAF fans, Kyle Laren on Besiktas as well. And I think we had mentioned in an earlier pod this, but uh, Pjanic out there in Turkey. Yeah, I mean, uh, which is Besiktas, hilarious. Besiktas is, is still is really when it comes down to one of the more fascinating, I think, like, generally speaking, club teams. I, I, Turkey is, of course, kind of that graveyard for a lot of different random players end up there. But, I mean, it really ends up um, – but she does for some reason, even among them, you know, you already said Kyle Laren also adds that uh, Canadian captain, Atiba Hutchinson, who at 38, 39 years old is still starting Champions League games at midfield <laughs> for them. Um, yeah. So, uh, again, fascinating always to look at them, but um, they're always dangerous. And, and, you know, even on the balance of play in this game. And we're going to obviously talk about the other game in a minute, but there's no reason to think Bashitas can't possibly even get out of this group despite a narrow loss here. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, and just to tie the, the loop on that, when you mentioned Dortmund's uh, potent attack, a little less potent, I think, uh, without our boy Gio Reyna. Can we get a quick uh, American update on him? Yeah, I mean, they put a timeline at him for about four weeks 
Um, so obviously he will be missing uh, for the next couple of weeks. Uh, it, it's a pretty decent bet that we're not going to see him for the U.S. in October. I'm going to guess it's one of those things where if he gets on the field at all before the October break, it might only be for like a match or like a sub appearance right. kind of deal. And it's a point, hamstring, right? Yeah, yeah. So at yeah, that dude, point, those you, hammies, yeah, man. You're you not, can't fuck with that. And you're not going to fly him back over to the States to play, you know, to try, especially with the three-match window. I think it's better for all involved for him to just stay at Germany over the international break, make sure he's healthy, and then make sure that when we play, you know, have that Mexico home game in November, that's what he's he's raring to go. So, well, you know, we'll miss him for a couple of Champions League match days, but hopefully, as I said, early October, he's back on the field for uh, Dortmund and back for the U.S., let's say, in November. All right. And yeah, the second game, uh, Ajax uh, sporting Lisbon. Uh, I didn't really see uh, this one either. So, Jared, you can kind of carry me on this. Uh, but sporting one, Ajax five. And uh, yeah, I mean, so much for that newfound Portuguese power ranking uh, in the coefficients. I mean, not not great results for the Portuguese. This was the worst one. Five to one. Ajax. Yeah, I mean, just just an, uh, an absolute dreadful defending performance from sporting. And, and I'm not just saying that because, look, it's five one. So obviously they didn't defeat one. Like if you look at the goals and just I mean, they were just torn apart. And, you know, when you think about like what, PSG versus Bruges and what you would expect that to look like, that's what this looked like. And it was just, I mean, it was too easy at times. It, you know, there were some couple of decent goals in terms of just the interplay and the quick play. But uh, the big story, obviously, is a guy that we've actually referenced during the international break, Sebastian Allaire, uh, you know, mm. currently, uh, you know, playing for the Ivory Coast now, uh, though he is uh, French-born. Four goals in this game, the hand bone for Allaire, Allaire two goals <laughs> in the first 10 minutes yeah. himself. And, and the story about what makes this so fascinating is they signed Allaire, uh, I did from West Ham, uh, last January and uh, he was supposed to play for them in, the, in Europe but they forgot to register him for European competition literally a clerical error um, and so this was his first game in Europe for Ajax after literally oh like God. an eight-month wait and so when he scored early on I, I kind of thought to myself well yeah I mean that always made sense he was going to score a goal because you know waiting these these few months and and finally being able to get on the field his first European game or whatever you know, it's good to see him get a goal. And then he just went off, <laughs> as we said. Yeah, um, yeah, dude, like my Forza app was blowing up. Like I just kept getting alerts. And, you know, Forza can be dodgy sometimes. It'll get like a wrong stat or like send you a double alert or something like that. So I had to like keep doing double takes. And it's like, Hilaire, Hilaire, Hilaire. And I was like, holy shit. Like, no, he's actually scored like four goals. <laughs> yeah, and, and, uh, and a goal from one of your uh, best buds, Berkowitz, also gets a goal. He finished off a very, very nice passing sequence for Ajax. But I mean... But, you know, I would have I would have pegged Dortmund and Ajax to go through before this group started. In fact, I'm pretty sure I did. But, I mean, I would have never anticipated Ajax coming out this strong. And with a home game against Besiktas for them in the second game, you know, if they can get, obviously, a home win there and Dortmund beats Sporting at home, then you have two teams on six, two teams on zero, and it really, it really turns the screws uh, on Besiktas and Sporting as well, who looked like they could have – they I mean, they couldn't beat a, an under-12 side yeah. defensively. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was that was a bad one. Uh, and, and by the way, I'm just happy that uh, as much as we slurped up Portugal in the last pod, uh, we get to shit on them in this one. Uh, so that one's for you, Nelson. All right, moving on to Group D. Uh, Real Madrid against Inter. Uh, th this one kind of pissed me off. I was like, again, not, not you know, we haven't tuned into it. Uh, it's it's nil-nil the whole game. So Galazzo's not really, you know, uh, uh, popping over there. Uh, but of course, Real Madrid getting one late. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, there wasn't much going on here. You just said it perfectly. There were only a couple 
chances or, you know, a couple times that Golazo cut in. Really, it was mostly in the first 30 minutes. Inter had two or three great chances. Courtois was on top of his game. Uh, made a couple really, really good saves early on, kept Madrid in the game. They steal it late on a Rodrigo goal. And, and you know, Madrid has been, uh, for me, detestable for years. And part of that has to do with the <laughs> fact that I hate Ronaldo, I hate Ramos, I hate Pep. Uh, so, you know, all those guys, they all had and, and going on. But this is a, a much more likable Madrid team, right? Uh, you still have Kroos there and Modric there, who I think most people pretty pretty much like. I'm and okay with them, yep. And these young attackers, Rodrigo um, has been fantastic. Vinicius has been really, really, really good. Yeah, he uh, came good. Yeah. You know, Camavinga, the young talent coming up that's going to be a big star, is really good. And, and it, so it really comes down to whether or not, I guess, you like Benzema uh, as to how much you're going to like this Madrid team. But I, I find them fun to watch, even in a game like this where it was only one nothing and they didn't have tons of chances. But it's an eminently more likable Madrid side, and it's a really big, big uh, road uh, win for them in Milan. Yeah, there you have it. Uh, and we're going to leave that there for them because I want to spend most of Group D talking about Sheriff fucking Tiraspol. Let's fucking go, Jared. Right. And and by the way, I want to remind everyone that this is a, this is a club team from Moldova. Yes, Moldova. And and Shakhtar Donetsk, I, I know, not not the strongest team in Champions League, but they're in it every year. Right. They're they're pretty much like a like a champ, a European stalwart. You know, they win their league or whatever every time. And uh, they're no slouches. But but a team from Moldova, right, just got a result. Not and not just any result, but a two 0 win in Champions League. The Sheriff, let's go. Yeah, and and this is a, an interesting one because, to your point, it should seem like it's easy because they are just from Moldova. But we've seen over and over and over again that going into these Eastern European countries is not easy. And and Shakhtar has been the beneficiary of that on how many occasions in the right, yeah. right? They've made life miserable for Madrid. They made I mean they've made life miserable for all these guys. And this happens, right? We've seen Belarusian teams like Bate Borisov make uh, make their home ground really difficult to play in. and 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 there's another example and and good on them uh, to get an early win. It, it's a historic night for them. It was always going to be tricky even with only 5,000 people in the crowd. Um mm. But it was always going to be tricky for the first in that first game that that insane and five thousand sounded like twenty thousand. I mean the crowd was raucous. Yeah, that's um, great. and and I really do believe that Sheriff is going to get one more point at home, either against Inter or against Madrid. I think they're going to steal one more point at home because it's a bitch to play. Now they're probably going to go on the road three times and get their heads kicked in, and they're not going to get out of the group, and they're probably not going to even make Europa League honestly. But maybe they can. Maybe if they only lose like one nothing at you know at Shakhtar, they can sneak in in a way. But you know, they're not. You look at the lineups; you don't recognize a lot of names. In fact, mm-hmm. the guy who scored their first goal, you know the name, but not because you know him. And this is one of the Adama Triores because yeah. <laughs> again, when it comes to uh, you know Mali and the Ivory Coast, there are a few of them, and yeah. so this is one of them. And he got a goal, and, and but obviously not the, the one that we're familiar with that you would be familiar with from the Premier League. But again, it's not a team of guys that you know very well, but they're going to be hard to play against. And, they're, and we talked about the pragmatism that is not on display in Red Bull. This is a team that is going to be pragmatic, and they're going to be at least difficult to break down. Yeah. And uh, you got to give credit to, the, um, to their two-assist man in this game, uh, the best Cristiano you will find in the Champions League anywhere, uh, Cristiano da Silva Uyete. Uh, again, a uh, Brazilian defender, two assists from the wing on this game, and uh, best Christ- best performance by a Cristiano we've seen this week. 
That's right. That's why they call it the Cristiano League, the Champions League. Uh, he's yeah, he's he, he's the guy, man. I mean, stay tuned on him. All I know is he uh, has three points and another one does not. That is correct. <laughs> we are getting there. Oh, Jared, you're making me salivate here. I can't wait to get to group F. <laughs> yeah, uh, props, hats off to Sheriff Tiraspol. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to, to uh, tune into them for the rest of the Champions League. All right, moving on. Uh, group E. Um, yeah, let's let's just go straight to it. Uh, Bayern and Barcelona. This was the one that we were all looking forward to. We all knew these two. These were the top two teams in the group, right? You know, one's going to finish first. One's going to finish second. Uh, really comes down to to those head-to-head battles. And uh, as a hat tip to Nibs, uh, two De Jongs don't make a right. Uh, Barca reliving their uh, 8-2 nightmare from last year. I think they're having some PTSD there. Three nil Bayern at the new camp. Uh, and to be honest, Jared, I, I think the epitome of this performance was was the second goal. Uh, I, I just remember, first of all, let's be clear, like Barca's going out in a 3-5-2, which I don't think I've like ever seen them play before ever. And, and, and of course, they have no fucking clue how to defend in it or what to do, who steps to fill that gap. Right. The positioning. Right. This. How do we press in this formation? I, I mean, Coleman he's a good coach or whatever, but I don't know to turn it around that quickly. I'm not sure. But anyways, on the second goal. Byron's just playing around with it at the top of the box. No one is stepping and they had, they had a chance to intercept or win, uh, you know, and, and, and then uh, they like Byron plays a ball across the box. Right. And it deflects uh, and then it gets to a Byron player, but still no one steps to it. And then they take the shot uh, and it hits off the post. And, and this was the worst part about it for me was that Araujo is so deep like inside his own six when the shot happens. Again, the positioning so far out of position here that he keeps Lewandowski like way onside. I mean, he would have been off by a country mile if Araujo was with his back line, except he's so far back. Again, no one knows how to play in that formation, right? And Lewandowski just taps it in for the second goal. And it's like, what did you expect? Yeah, I mean, Barcelona has a, has a problem here, right? And it's not new. And I think, I mean, look, I can co-sign everything you said. And Barcelona gets a little unlucky here. The first goal is a horrible deflection and, and so on and so forth. But it's there's not it's, it's not good enough. And, look, Barcelona has lost a lot of guys. And Messi, we know. Like, we don't have to go through – relitigate all that. And we can obviously look at this roster and say this is about the weakest Barcelona side as there has been since you and I probably have started watching the sport, right? Right, I mean, yeah. They've, but this is still a team with – full of international level professionals elite, top elite, level elite, international professionals yes international professionals and they are i mean i don't know if it's i don't know if it's just coaching i don't know what it is but it is it is beyond bad and yes Bayern is is miles better than them right now but there's no excuse for barcelona to be so absolutely impotent on attack um it is absolutely unacceptable that luke de jong is starting for them in the champions league yeah, <laughs> it is at this point, it is like, look, Sergio Busquets, one of the great midfielders of his time uh, and perhaps the most underrated. The dude is a horse that needs to be brought out behind the barn, barn and shot at this point. Yeah. It's over. It's <laughs> yeah. over. It, it, like, it, he, it, I'm sorry. Like, you know, mother. And like, not right, just with Barca. Like, Jared, we said the same thing for Euro. Right. 
right? And and obviously, Rodri's starting the first game, and it's like, okay, that's what we expected. Like, Busquets, thanks for everything you did, man. You're a legend, but it's time to go. And then he, like, comes back from his COVID quarantine, and he slots straight in, and Rodri is stapled to the bench. It's like, dude, you, you have to make that decision to, like, move on to the next guy. The dude, father time is undefeated, and, and Busquets yeah. for Barcelona and Spain since 2008 has played, like – 550 competitive matches yeah. <laughs> in the center of midfield. Like this isn't like a right back or a center back or even like a striker where like, like you can't be in this and for years, right. Being asked to pretty much clean up everything to be the only defensive midfielder while five, six, seven guys are attacking. It is unsustainable and he is shot and he's slow and he's like, and, it, and they just keep doing it and it's just, it's over and it has to be over and this has to stop. And I don't know, there's no easy fix to this because they can't like they owe any money. Right. We've, we've talked at length about their financial difficulties mm-hmm. and Bayern is three, nothing might've flattered Barcelona here. And so I, do I think they'll get out of this group with Kiev and Benfica? Yeah. But I think they're going to have to win on the, or not even well, not win on the last match if they're playing Bayern, but like that game before I get what I say against Benfica, like they're going to need to win that game to, to clinch. And, if they end up in a spot where like they need a point on the last match day to, to advance, they're not going to get it. Right. And if like, and if, and the unthinkable could happen and could Benfica or Kiev make it happen? I, I wouldn't say it's impossible at this point. And like, I don't, I don't, I not much that's changed from last week. We knew Barcelona is this bad, but like, even that I, I expected a little bit more of them. Yeah. I, th- I think Barca are a shambles to be honest. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know. I still think they're going to go through, but, but it won't be pretty. And they'll probably, you know, eek, eek by Benfica and Kiev, who, by the way, playing in the other game uh, in another demonstration of Portuguese impotence, uh, nil, nil draw with fucking Kiev. Uh, and another, Jared, and, <laughs> and another team that got, let, I mean, and fairly let off, but uh, Kiev actually had the ball in the back of the net. In stoppage time uh, to win one nothing, but there was a bar offside in the buildup. Again, not the incorrect call, but it was in the it wasn't you know the, it was in the buildup, so it wasn't a uh, you know it wasn't like the guy scoring right at the, at the last second. So they were still beat. They got lucky uh, to to have that chalked off, and so Kiev could have easily taken this one uh, one nothing at the death. But nonetheless, I think uh, I think both will be kind of satisfied for now knowing that you know if Barcelona is there for the taking Bethika specifically who gets to host them in a couple of weeks time that you know one of these teams is looking at if we can just get that if we can just throw that one punch that one knockout punch and hit Barcelona once maybe we can get out of this group mm, all right uh, well that's group E let's move on to group F uh, go ahead Jared take a big swig clear your throat and let's pop off on young boys versus Manchester United Michael Jackson's favorite club against uh, the favorite club of many of our friends in our circle. And this one was just hilarious. It had everything. One of those red cards. It had Ronaldo scoring, but not winning. Uh, We had probably one of the biggest American mega boners that we've had so far. Uh, It is United one young boys two. Yeah. And and, uh, before we start, of course, let me be the 5 million people to just reference how, you know, schoolboy funny it is. Again, that young boys plays in the Stadion Wankdorf. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and this, look, for about 40 minutes, this looked like a classic Manchester United game against a team that, you know, they were better than. And, and they get the early goal, and you know they're going to win, right? It, it's, it's foretold, it's foregone, we know it. And then Juan Bissaka just turns the tide, and it's, it is a red card for me. 
I know that some people are always going to say that's not, but Dude, it's a red. It's a red. it's a red card, and yeah. and it's and it's a red card of his own making because he has a terrible first touch, mm-hmm. and then he overcompensates trying to get you know win the ball back, doesn't do it, and that changes the dynamic of the game. And from that point, young boys absolutely just assaulted United. Right? It wasn't just that they got a couple goals right away; it was that they had like twenty shots. Right? They just they absolutely from that point forward dominated against ten men. And for United, that's not good enough. You are still Manchester United. And, you know, and not to, to try and cross-contaminate a, a comparison, but when we saw that Liverpool-Chelsea game a few weeks back, and we saw Chelsea go down to 10 men against Liverpool on the road, and they figured it out, right? They, they, were, yeah. they, they defended properly. Liverpool didn't get any sniffs at goal. Even Chelsea got one or two sniffs the other way. They, there was a professionalism to the way they defended with 10 men. And you saw none of that for Manchester United. And the goal that they gave up to, uh, to level was, you know, it was coming. And then to give up a goal like that at the end of the game, it's, it's, it's amateur hour, right? Because Jesse Lingard, who's been great in the last 12 months, when you're 1-1 in the 95th minute of a road game, what are, you, like, what are you thinking passing backwards? On what planet is it a good idea, even if you think it's safe to just like, – just, like, because if you pass it back to your goalie, what is he going to do except just launch it 70 yards? So you might as well just launch it 70 yards. He, and exactly. He like in that moment, he could have done 100 different things and 99 of those things would have resulted in not a goal. He chose the one out of 100 things that resulted in the goal, and, and which, by the way, I, I think is actually an incredible act of, of karma here because I know Ronaldo, ugh, you know, scores again. Right. Everyone's slurping him up and everything. But the act of karma, he absolutely, I don't know if you guys saw this, absolutely drilled one of the female stadium stewards in the pregame warm-up. And yeah, of course, he did the whole thing, go over, he check you, okay, give you a jersey and everything. But I think in an act of karma there, uh, Ronaldo gets subbed off, uh, and then uh, it is his sub who plays. I mean, it, you got to give Lingard credit, Jared. It was a sublime through ball. Oh, you could uh, not. <laughs> it was a perfect through ball. Um, and, and it's... And even as, and what's amazing about it is that even in live, it's like, it's almost, ha- it's one of those plays that happens as you're watching it live, almost in slow motion. Like you're watching the pass go backwards and you realize it's not getting there. Yeah. And you see, uh, you know, Jordan Pifak, the American, right? Born ah, in the yes. nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Uh, yeah, we'll call him Maria. He didn't spend the rest of his, his childhood somewhere else, but, you know, he was born in Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Right. Um, he grew up in, grew up in France, obviously, um, cho- has chosen the U.S., and, and he just, he's in the right place at the right time. And, and you got to give him a little bit, like everyone goes, look, oh my God, it's a slam. There's a lot of pressure in that moment because he, has, he knows that ball is coming. He grab he takes it, he turns and he takes a dribble and he has enough time to probably process everything that's about to happen. And there are strikers in the, like Gonzalo Iguain puts that in the third row, right? Yeah. Like, like there are certain players that mentally can't handle that moment, but he cool, calm and collected, slots it in. I, I, I mean, it's just got to be the coolest feeling in the world. Um, and, and it says something about the state of us soccer to the point of our mega boner, right? Is that here's a guy, right. Who scores a champions league winning goal against Manchester United. By the way, 90th minute plus five. Right. Like just literally with the last kick of the game. And like, nobody knows who the fuck he is. If you're not like a diehard us soccer, you know, and it's amazing that we've gotten to the point where it used to be like, any guy who played in the Champions League for the U.S. was like a big, it was a big deal. It didn't matter what club you played for, whatever, whatever. And now we have guys that that score in these these score score in the Champions League, and and except for the real diehards, not many people even know who he is. And and it's it was a cool moment. 
uh, it's great. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot there. It's, it's the anti-United mega boner. It's the American yet mega boner it is the mm. young boys mega boner uh, canceled. And uh, yeah. yeah. And it really, and it, in a group where we don't like, there's three teams that are, that we thought were competing right for two spots. We, we, Atlanta and Villarreal, and we'll talk about them in a second and mm. United all competing for two spots. Not only is this a bad result for United for that, does it does it really put us in the spot where Young Boys is going to be here in the fourth, you know, fifth match day saying, hey, wait, we still have a shot at this too because mm-hmm. they're not easy to play against. They're not going to be easy to beat. And this is a big result, and it, it really does throw a lot of things into chaos here. Yeah, I mean, they're the classic, you know, fourth team that everyone writes off at the beginning of, uh, of the group stage, and this is going to be the cannon fodder for everyone. But I, I don't know. I think they, they could actually – be in the mix. Um, but yeah, no, that's, I think we're going to leave that there. It might take a little bit of, of time for the, the blood to drain from the little head on, on that one. Uh, but don't worry, we'll get to a American wet noodle in the, in the next group. Um, but yeah, real quick on Atalanta, Villarreal, uh, not much for, for me to say on, on this one, um, I, you know, two, two, and again, another one of those red cards. Uh, and I was, I was trying to explain to, to one of our friends what, what the Atalanta attack is like. And I just said it's basically, you know, organized chaos, hat tip to the commentators for that. Uh, but, but yeah, Atalanta, they're, they're fun to watch too, man. I mean, it's, they just throw everyone forward. It's, it's almost like the, uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's like the Rohirrim, like riding down the hill on the morning of the fifth day. Uh, they just like bomb forward everyone, reckless attack. Um, but yeah, ended up 2-2 here, Jared. Yeah, and I think what you said about Atlanta is is, is pretty accurate there. Uh, they kind of line up in a 3-4-2-1 kind of situation. Um, you know, puts a lot of pressure through the center. In this game, it was a pop to up top. Uh, and then you got, you know, a guy who, who uh, you know, some of the hipster fans knew about before the summer, but certainly made the name for himself this summer. Robin Gosens, who was a terror for Germany on that left side, has been doing this for Atlanta for a while. And, and again, he got a goal in this one. Um, a back and forth game, right? Atalanta gets a nice early goal. Villarreal equalizes before halftime. Then Villarreal takes the lead, and Atalanta equalizes. It was just a, it was a classic Atalanta game, right? As you said, there's a lot of chaos, a lot of offensive uh, uh, attacking football being played, a defense that is not um, not the most sturdy. And and again, Villarreal plays into that a little bit, even though Villarreal is not obviously does not play the same kind of reckless. Uh, style but you still have guys like Moreno up top and, and you mm. know Parejo in the midfield but then they're still rolling out like 46 year old Raul Albiol at center back uh they're playing like Juan Foyt at right back and uh I believe you know not only is Foyt uh, uh he's let's just say he's more of a center back than a right back and he's mm. not particularly good I think Spurs fans will know after his four years there where he played about 16 yeah. matches total I was gonna say the fourth <laughs> experiment at Tottenham did not play out so, very well and he's playing a right back on this team, and he's the one who's matchup against Ghosts. And so when you see Ghosts on the score sheet, I don't really think you can be all that surprised about it. But again, it's it's a good, it's a fun game. Uh, I don't know that, I, I think either, both teams will be equally relieved and maybe a little upset that they didn't get more from this match, if that makes any sense. Just because, you know, both had a lead at one point. Uh, to certainly on the road will take a point. But, um, you know, just a lot of chaos in that game. And, and Atalanta hosting Young Boys in the next round uh, is their chance uh, to get a big win. And by the way, this should not go unnoticed. And we'll mention it again when we, when we preview that game, but remember the last couple of years, Atalanta has not actually played a home champions league match in their own stadium. Um, because, uh, uh, because they were doing, um, 
uh, I guess they were re reformatting the stadium or doing some construction and stuff. And so they mm. couldn't, uh, it wasn't Euro ready essentially. And now they are going to be back at home and that atmosphere in a couple weeks time is going to be insane because they've waited, their fans have waited three seasons now, right. That they've been in the championship. Yeah. Holy shit. Get a true home game. And that is going to be electric. And again, we'll talk about that when we preview, but I'm already like circling that one just from an atmospheric perspective. Hell yes. Okay, I will be tuning into that for sure. All right, that's Group F. Uh, group G, as we mentioned, uh, as as big as our American Megaboner was uh, with, with PFOC, it's that wet and soft uh, with John Brooks getting sent off with a second yellow uh, for Wolfsburg against Lille. Uh, they still held on to the nil-nil draw, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Anything from this one, Jared? Yeah, not much too much about this match in particular. The second uh, yellow card offense, the intentional handball to stop an attack, which is really not the ideal way you want to get. Not that there's a, not that there is an ideal way to get sent off, but like when you're on a yellow card, like eating an intentional handball is just, it's reckless. It's silly. Uh, if you're going to do that, it better be to our, you know, our aforementioned 92nd minute stop the breakaway kind of uh, performance. Mm. Uh, it, it was not that. Um, he will obviously miss a game now due to suspension. And, I mean, he's just had a really bad couple few weeks here for the U.S. and now back at Wolfsburg. And so he's got to get it together. He's not going to be playing for either team, I would say. Uh, yeah, it's a decent performance otherwise for them. As you said, they still get the road draw, so they won't complain too much at that. But I think they're a better team than Will, and they should probably be able to beat Will and, and to lose the, the man and then not get the three points uh, certainly hurts. Uh, but I guess they'll take some solace in the fact that the other uh, match in this game was also a draw. So everyone's kind of on one point here. So it kind of hits the reset before they host Sevilla in a couple weeks at home. Well, right. And that's where I was going to go. Exactly. Sevilla Salzburg, another draw. And I, I think this is Jared, pretty much exactly what we expected from this, like impossible to predict and, and superly or, or super evenly matched uh, group. I mean, going into it, if you look at the odds, it was any, you know, uh, in every other group, it was, you know, uh, uh, the top team, like negative 200 to advance and then like the bottom plus 4000 or whatever, like every team was in the range of like plus 250 to, to plus 800 to move on. So it was kind of like, who the hell is going to progress out of this group? Uh, and yeah, I mean, after group stage one, all teams tied on one point. <laughs> Yeah, and, and as we move over to the game that happened in Seville, and talk about two, you know, two draws happening in very, very, very different ways, right? Yeah. And and the first half of Sevilla and Salzburg was literally unlike anything we've ever seen. Four penalties were called in the first half, and not only is that a record for a half, it is a record for an entire Champions League match. There have never been four penalties in a match before, and there were four in about the span of thirty minutes in this match. Um, Salzburg got three of them on the road and only scored one uh, an absolutely insane, uh, insane thing to have happen. Uh, Rakitic gets one in before halftime to draw it up. I mean, just the first half alone is, has enough material probably for about an hour. Yeah. You sent that screenshot to the, to the group and it was just like uh, penalty, penalty, penalty missed, right? VAR decision, no penalty, penalty. And it was, the fuck is going on in this game and if and if you couldn't have anything more of this game then in five minutes into the second half Sevilla's starting striker in Nezri gets sent off for a second yellow card and the second yellow card was for diving so yeah. like, <laughs> I mean just 
And so, like, and I guess he was trying to, you know, he's trying to win the fifth penalty. And I guess, you know, in a weird way, you can say you never want to get the second yellow card for diving, just like you don't want to get it for the handball. But you almost can understand in a match where everything is a penalty. Might as well take your shot, right? You shoot your shot and try to get the penalty. I mean, it was a clear dive. If you look at the replay, it wasn't even close. And the best part was, right, Here's and here's how you know you have a great red card on your hand which fits in with the madness of this game. The Sevilla players started complaining to the ref, but they actually weren't complaining that it, was a, that it wasn't a dive. They were trying to complain that he was offside in the buildup, so it shouldn't have counted because there was an offside. So it was like almost rooting against like your own bar situation. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, like right, one of those situations. I mean, just an absolute that. Like, you know, you see 1-1 one, one on the score sheet, and you go, oh, okay, it was a 1-1 one, one draw, fair enough. But, man, when you really dive into this game, and it's a game that not everyone obviously was focused on because there were more prestigious games, we, we shall say, going on at the same time. Yeah. But this ended up being the one that was, I mean, probably the most fun to watch on Tuesday. Yeah. And let me ask you real quick on a side out there. Would that have been one of those situations where the yellow card still would have counted, though? Right. Because we've talked about this before where, you know, play continues after an offside, uh, a yellow card offense occurs but the play is called back for, you know, for offside or VAR or whatever, right? But the yellow card still stands. Wouldn't that have still stood? Yeah, I'm not 100% sure about that. Again, this this rule is kind of confusing. I know we talked yeah, about this. Yeah, I don't this. get uh, it at all. Well, I believe that was what? That was the Newcastle, was it Villa? Where with Emmy Martinez, I believe, is the one that we had talked about this previously. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not 100% sure, uh, I, I, to be fair. But either way, it was still made for a, a very compelling uh, case. I, I don't know if the situation depends on whether or not the offense is, is a physical or, or quote-unquote violent in nature versus one that is, you know, like time-wasting or, or, you know, a dive where it's not a physical right, right, kind of yeah. situation. Uh, you know, I guess we'll have to wait for it to happen and see what happens yeah. before we can know. But as I said, uh, either way, you do just love to see, you know, a team like arguing against itself. <laughs> By the way, by the way, I would also like to point out that if uh, that if Salzburg had just let Medford, Messi, Brendan Harrison take all their penalties, uh, that he would have had a hat trick in the first half and they would have won. I say that even though Brendan Harrison has never taken a penalty, so I have no way of actually saying that. Yeah, uh, but it but, sounds yeah. it sounds right though. It, it does sound right. Yeah, the Medford, Messi man. Uh, well, I, he speaking of, of of him, he's been on form. Um, really excited yes. about his, him. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, let's go to Group H. Uh, let's start with Juve and, and Malmo. Uh, I, I guess pretty standard 3-0 result here for, for Juve. Uh, although given Juve's form, I wouldn't have been surprised if Malmo had gotten, you know, a Bruges-type result here. Uh, so, so, Jared, was this more, you know, Malmo just being poor or, or has Juve found their form or did they just like play up to their ability? No, I, I'm going to say it's probably more of Malmo just not being a particularly good side. Right. Um, it, the thing we talked about this group in the preview, and we said, "Look, this group is going to be like the, this is the most eighteen points, twelve points, six points, uh, zero points group that you're ever going to see in your life." And I think that this this first match day did nothing to disavow any of us from that um, kind of from that idea. Again, this is a road game for Juventus. You think it could be a little difficult? It's not, right? It's all three goals in the first half. It's comfortable. Um, they actually play, you know, Quadrado plays a lot of time at right back for them. They kind of pushed him up into midfield this time um, and just were able to, to, to easily control things. And, and you can do that when you're playing a team that is not going to hurt you. Malmo goes out in a five back, very defensively minded. They're not a threat to score. You've never heard of anybody on their team, honestly. Like they're just that team and it's easy enough. Yeah. And, and so I think it's a comfortable game and, you know, 
there's no reason to think that Juventus is not going to be able to beat Zenit twice. No reason to think they're not going to beat Malmo twice, even if they're not in great form. Those two sides are just, they're not good enough to me to, to hurt Juventus in this tournament at all. And, and I think that, you know, when we, we're going to say the same about Chelsea here, even though it's just a one nothing at home. It, it's the same thing. It's comfortable. They're not threatened. It's easy enough. They're going to get through. It's just it, this, this group is going to very quickly become, you know, last but least to talk about with, with not much to say. Yeah, not in dominant fashion, but right, Chelsea in the three points against Zenit, 1-0. And, uh, yeah, probably on their way to the 18-point group stage. (laughs) All right, and that's going to wrap it up for our Champions League review. Great start. Great Champions League. Uh, But let us not forget, Jared, uh, there are other European competitions going on. Uh, And for all of our basketball fans out there, uh, there's not just March Madness. There's not just the NIT, uh, but there's, what was it, the SBI or some shit? The third tier. There's a CBI. There was a CBI. CBI was the one that existed. Yeah. No, this is totally where we're going with this. Yeah, so let, let's just take a few minutes here to uh, preview the Europa League, which, of course, everyone is familiar with, the JV tournament of uh, Europe. And then, of course, the Conference League, which is new this year. I think Europa uh, starts today, right? And Conference League, there actually were a couple of games played yesterday. Yeah, I mean, actually, uh, there was a, a Europa League match actually on Wednesday as well. Uh, and okay. You want to talk about the, the being a bastard stepchild. Spartak Moscow has to play their home matches on Wednesdays because Locomotive has the Thursday window for the city of Moscow, apparently, because they are yeah. higher ranked. So Sparta gets to play their matches on Wednesdays. So there was a match yesterday. Um, but yeah, it is a Thursday thing. So, it, you know, we don't want to do too many specific match previews because by the time the the fans listen to this one, the, the matches will either already be played or will have been played. But I will right. say that right off the bat, we got two of the favorites in the tournament, Wester and Napoli playing in the first game. And the reason I want to talk about this is uh, this has a, a weird knock on international effect where Napoli will be without several of their first team players because they are not allowed to enter England because they have been in red list countries in the last two weeks and yeah, yes. quarantine. So this is not only a, a, an issue that has plagued the Premier League itself, uh, but this is now actually getting its tentacles involved in international games where again, Napoli is leaving some guys at home because they cannot play in England as of this time. So uh, that will be something to be looking at um, there as well. I, I, I do have to say though, I, I, the, the big favorite in this tournament at this point, and, and tell me if you disagree, uh, at this point in the tournament, I think the favorite to win Europa League this year has got to be Manchester United. Oh, yeah, I think we're going to see a, a United-Barcelona final in Europa League, Jared. That's my prediction. Take it to the yeah, bank. It's very possible at this point. And, and so, uh, no, but in all seriousness, um, well, maybe I'm not. I, look, City could – or Manchester United could easily finish third in that group. It's, it's completely possible. I know. Um, that's what I'm saying. No, but, you know, the, look, the, the Europe League's interesting, right? But you see these groups, and, and without, you know, micro looking at each one, you see a lot of teams that are, you know, these are teams that occasionally kind of find their way into the Champions League, right? You know, your Bronbys or, you know, your your PSVs or, you know, Monaco. So Dang. I think they're, they're decent games, right? And they're decent yeah. teams playing. And I think that if we're going to sit here and say – um, we like the romanticism of a, of a game in tier, uh, for Sheriff Tiraspol or Bait Borisov or any of those teams, then mm. I think that it should be, you know, it's, it's somewhat enjoyable. And, and by the way, there is a Golazo show for the Europa League as well that, oh. you, can, that you can watch. And, it's that. Right. And it's, and, it's, and it's fun, right? It's fun to watch. And even when that knockout stage starts and you get some of the teams coming in from the Champions League, as we kind of already alluded to, um, 
you yeah, know, but you're, it, even on its own, some of these, yeah, no, some of these matchups are, are, are really cool. Like I'm looking at it right now, like and Lazio, like to get to yeah. see Maurizio Sarri just cigarettes in Istanbul is going to be incredible, right? Uh, West Ham, right? We want to see how they do in Europe. I, I actually, I, I fancy them. Uh, yeah, so some of these just, yeah, Leicester City against Naples, like that's a good game right there. No, and it, and it is fun. And, you know, we, we talked about the actual, the literal group of death when we talked about the draw for this with Lazio. Okay, yeah. with Maserai, <laughs> yeah. uh, that one right off the bat, Marseille at Lokomotiv Moscow. I yeah. mean, just it, it's fun. And it's, you know, and, and for me, like, I tend to be a fan. Like, I love watching MLS. And I know that MLS is very deeply flawed. And, you know, I like watching CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, even when UEFA's on. Like, so for me, it's like, it, and look, I love the champions. Like, don't get me wrong. And I watch it and whatever, but I love Thursdays too. And, and they, and I think that uh, it, there's a lot there. And I think that when we talk about this stuff and that on Monday, even when we kind of, we, we could review it, even look at a couple of these matches and go, Holy shit, that was fucking fun. Like that was a yeah. really good game. And this game was four, three, and this game was four, two. And, and, you know, there was a bottle rocket thrown on the field in this game. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of madness. And so, you know, again, I think it's something worth keeping an eye on. Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of madness and keeping an eye on it, the Europa Conference League, uh, which, by the way, is going to be like, you know, the, the, the World Cup for a lot of clubs. So let's not chalk it up to, to like, you know, just a bunch of shitty teams just playing extra games like for a lot of these teams. This this is it for them. No. Um, and, when you, and when you look at it like you, and to, to, you're right. And it would get like a team like Jablonic from the Czech Republic, probably not a champion and never going to win the Champions League. Zora Luhansk from Ukraine, right? Bodo yeah. Glimt from Norway. Tottenham Hotspur from England. These are teams that are never going to have Champions League glory. So mm. it's nice that they have a place where they can fly their European football. Exactly. Just those like mid to lower tier teams that right. just otherwise wouldn't really uh, be doing anything. Um, yeah, th they started yesterday as well, Jared. Uh, looks like a couple of Israeli teams played. And I think one game is actually being played right now. Kairat versus AC Ammonia. Yeah, so actually, the, the two Israeli games were actually on Tuesday. Uh, and oh, the, uh, by the way, Steep Perichka, we should note, scored the first ever goal in um, Europa Conference League history. He's a Croatian yeah. player for Maccabi Tel Aviv. And uh, just for my, my fellow Hebs out there, uh, the reason <laughs> these games are played on Tuesday is it is, it is currently Yom Kippur, the, the most serious uh, you know, day mm. of, on the Jewish calendar, the Day of Atonement. Uh, that started last night and goes until tonight. So obviously the Israeli teams were not able to play either right. uh, Wednesday or really Thursday for that matter. And so that's why these two games were, were pushed forward and to Tuesday. And, and, you know, I guess they got to showcase themselves on the world stage. As I said, Maccabi Tel Aviv 4-1 over Alash Kert of Armenia and a nil-nil uh, a between um, their countrymates Maccabi Haifa and Feyenoord. So, yeah, it was just kind of an interesting little wrinkle. And if you're going to have an absolute – Farmers League tournament. It might as well start with two games having to be played literally two games ahead of two days ahead of time due to religious observance. Yeah, and I appreciate that clarification, Jared, because I think most of us ignorant Gentiles oh, we didn't really know. We just, you know, really love this the day off of school. And we know, so. and we know it's a really important day on the Jewish calendar when I'm uh, recording a uh, soccer league podcast and taking some time off of the job that I should be taking off of, but yet I'm not. <laughs> right there you have it okay um yeah i think that's about it for europa and conference league jared anything to add uh no i think that's about it except again spurs and roma crash course for the final okay um well yeah uh we're, we're gonna wrap up here uh last segment own goal of the day as always 
you know what, Jared? I'm going to call an audible for me uh, just because I want to keep piling on uh, the Portuguese thing. Uh, I'm going to double down on United for a couple of reasons. First of all, again, uh, the karma of Ronaldo hitting the steward, uh, which, which led to the Lingard uh, pass back because that's how the universe works, obviously. Um, but then also just to, a callback for us, Jared. I mean, remember in the preview, we were like, how is Ole going to fuck this up? Right. And, and I know he's not in Juan Basaka's body and, you know, getting that red card. I know he's not Jesse Lingard playing that ball back, but it's just, you just have to think that, like you said, with the Chelsea thing, like when a team goes down a man, that's not a loss of the game. And if you have a world-class manager and if you have players who are drilled, you know, in those scenarios, you can actually hold on to those results. And so a lot of this does go on Ole. Yeah, and, and again, I think he was he was he did some good things in the first half. It was it looked comfortable. It looked every and and for some reason there there was no halftime adjustment here. And again, you have that red card five minutes before halftime. And, and if you you know if you if you give up a goal in the forty third minute after a red card in the fortieth minute, I think the coach gets a little bit of a pass on that. Right? It happens very quickly. Exactly. You don't have time to get the subs on or whatever. And they made a sub right away, but then they had to make a and they made a second one at halftime. So it wasn't like he didn't attempt to make an adjustment. They just didn't work um yeah. and and so like yeah again we don't need to relitigate it from the from the perspective that we already talked about the game but we said from day one that Ole was going to be the cause of the downfall of this team when it happened mm. and i just i didn't think it would happen so soon and, and certainly they're not out of it by any means but it's it's not a great look and this is exactly the problems that we thought they would have and uh, lo and behold yeah that's my own goal of the day jared what do you got so i'm going to be very selfish on this one um Mine is going to be New York City Football Club. And the reason it is going to be New York City Football Club is because they have been in MLS now for, for damn near a decade. And they still do not have anything remotely approaching their own stadium. They do not have plans for their own stadium. Every time there are plans for their own stadium, something falls through and they do not have their own stadium. And why am I being selfish about this? Because I am, as I said, a fan and season ticket holder of their rival New York Red Bulls. And when they can't find anywhere else to play, you know where they end up playing their games? They, end up, play, they end up playing their games at Red Bull Arena. And Ooh. never mind the fact that I don't need their blue stench stinking up the town that I live in. I have to deal with their fucking fans literally like going to my local bars, ruining like my local happy hours, mm. like just with their shitty ass shade of blue, like How ruining the streets of Harrison. And, it just, it, and, it, and most recently, my Tuesday night gets fucked up because all I want to do is go to trivia on a Tuesday night, mm. meet my cousin, hang out, have a good time. And my cousin is running late because he's hitting traffic, stadium traffic, because there's an MLS game on a Tuesday night in Harrison that is not the home team, New York Red Bulls. It is those bastards up north that can't find their own fucking stadium. Get him, Jared. Get it. Is that, <laughs> is that soapboxy enough? Yeah, no, it was. It was good. I, I wanted to be like LeVar Arrington and Chad Dukes right there. Just get him. Get him. Get him, Jared. By the way, oh, my God, that's a, that's a throwback. Oh, that's Redskins reparations is all I have to say about that. Reparations! <laughs> For anyone some who of is you, still say, some of you is getting this point, we are clearly, like, off the rails. We are just yeah. loopy right now. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and cut it right there. And as always... Uh, we're going to uh, end it with a, with a stoppage time winner. Uh, as your gracious host, Jared, I will allow you to go first. Yeah, I gotta, I'm got i going to stay in MLS for this one. Uh, Javier Chokis Lopez, a 4-3 loss for San Jose last night, uh, Wednesday night. Um, but he had an absurd hat trick. 
And if you look at the watch the highlights of this one, you will see he had a a really nice first touch curler from the left to, uh, off the right wing, I should say, uh, cutting into his left into the corner. Then on the second goal, he absolutely crosses up a defender who ends up wiping out on his own defender, like where the two defenders kind of run into each other and one of them completely wipes out. And then, you know, he finishes off from there. And the third goal, just to wrap it up as a to for his hat trick, was an Olympico, uh, mm. literally uh, near post Olympico, which eh, you could say a little bit of something around uh, about the goalie. But there was a defender on the near post and he got it over him. And like, mm. I, I, and it's, I mean, it's an insane, uh, sane hat trick. It, it's very hard to, to find a, a game where a guy scores three and all three are of such quality. So if you haven't seen that and you probably haven't because it happened at like midnight last night as we're recording uh go take a little look at the san jose highlights they still did lose 4-3 uh, a couple late goals going against them uh, uh against real salt lake but from on a personal level just an insane uh insane performance should be mls player of the week and, and just a tip of the cap to him all right yeah tip of the cap for sure uh my stoppage time winner is going to be the afghan women's football team uh, i'm sure we've all been following the news uh, and watching the situation in Afghanistan. And uh, I'm with you, Jared. I'm not trying to touch the third rail of politics here. There's no commentary whatsoever. Uh, but just seeing the news report this morning, uh, seeing that officially uh, all the players, uh, plus their families and the coaches, uh, are all across the border in Pakistan and safe from Taliban rule. Uh, we all know what the life of a woman was like uh, the first go around uh, under Taliban rule in Afghanistan. Uh, and despite all of their assurances, uh, and Jared, I'm sure uh, we, we know how much those assurances are worth uh, from the Taliban, that women would be more equal uh, and, and, and live a better life in Afghanistan under their rule. Uh, we, we, we know that that's just not going to be the case. So super uh, excited and happy to hear, uh, especially with all the stuff, you, you know, that you heard uh, uh, anecdotally about the, you know, the Afghan women's team and what they stand for and what they've uh, been able to accomplish. I'm just uh, really happy that, that all of them and their, their loved ones are safe. No, absolutely the case. And, and, you know, hopefully the, the world can come together, the world of women's football and football in general, really uh, can come together and, and put an infrastructure in place for them to, to grow. And that isn't like, yeah. obviously what their, their safety on a human level is the most important thing. They are that. So now let's, let's take that next step, right? Let's, let's get them a place where they can live, where they can train, where they can try and grow, like where mm. they can have outreach and they can find uh, women of Afghani heritage, if not, I mean, maybe not living in Afghanistan, obviously right now, given the circumstances, but that they can find players, that they can, they can grow the game, grow themselves. Because I think there would be nothing cooler uh, than seeing a country like that in a circumstance like that, actually be able to be fundamentally, like, I'm not, like, look, they're never, are they ever going to be world beaters? Obviously not. Like the mm -hmm. men's team in Afghanistan is one of the, you know, one of the weaker ones in Asia. So we're not getting there, but if they can at least get to the point where they can go into Asia qualifying or, or play other women's teams in Asia and, and be competitive and be, and, and be proud and, and everything else. And even just walking on the field, there will be pride, of course. Yeah. But let's, let's grow it. Let's take that next step. Let's not just say it's enough just to, to get them out of there and throw them in a village somewhere and be like, okay, like, cool. We did it. Let's keep doing that Wait, because they deserve it. They, 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 it's it's the responsible thing to do and so a great shout by you and, and again let's just keep doing it and make it even better than it already is yeah and let's be clear jared success can be measured in in things other than just wins and i think uh yeah like you said we, we can find a lot of success with that that afghani women's team so yeah we'll stay tuned uh on that um but yeah that's gonna do it for us 
Uh, thank you so much, Jared. Uh, you've been so gracious with your time. I appreciate you. Uh, to the traveling supporters, thank you for listening. Um, and as always, no marketing or social media. So if you're mildly entertained, uh, please tell a friend and spread the love. Uh, Godspeed. Bye con Dios. And cheers, y'all. Shalom. He's our striker, he's on fire Ooh, hot, hotter than Mitrovic Scoring goals home and away He's playing from the ticks and he's on fire Grand talk was a catastrophe He just wouldn't go away Oh, and then Will Drake turned it round Cost us one million pound Whoa. I said Will Grigg turned it round Cost us one million pounds Will Grigg is on fire Come on now Will Grigg is on fire